I'm relieved to see that there is at least one Republican who is willing to ask a really, really obvious question. And I used to think it was weird that the rest of the august and important rock ribbed, serious constitutional Christian conservative leaders of the Republican Party, our, our leaders, didn't ask questions like this. But that's before I came to understand the party. Senate committee hearing, you stated that white supremacy was, and I quote, the greatest threat. I'm over here. Oh, thank the you, greatest threat to the homeland. Uh, earlier this month, you doubled down and again claimed that, and I quote, domestic violent extremism uh, was the biggest threat. When you say that term, do you include in that term Black Lives Matter and Antifa? I'll tell you who the congressman is. You'll hear Mayorkas's response. We'll also examine what happens to the left when Noam Chomsky says Donald John Trump has the best solution and approach to Russia and Ukraine. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. Oh, man, Chomsky. But he suggested something similar. Move towards negotiations and diplomacy. Instead of escalating the war, uh, try to see if he can bring about an accommodation, uh, which would be roughly along these lines. Uh, His name is... Donald J. Trump. It's an extraordinary time in which we live. And, and that man's all messed up in some ways. Um, radical leftists, radical ideas about linguistics, which is his field of study. They're, they're radical. They're also really interesting. And they also, and he would never, ever admit this, but they also map right back to an intelligent designer. Yeah. Chomsky's ideas about linguistics map back to there being an intelligent designer. And he still considers Donald Trump to be a dangerous man and far less dangerous in his estimation in dealing with Russia and Ukraine. Now, he has pacifistic tendencies, got that. But the point of the discussion today is other people are beginning to realize it's the party, not the parties. And we'll talk deeply about that, including comparing Joe Biden to Chomsky and some other things. Um, And got to get to this Mayorkas quote where he is asked up front, what about Antifa? Later this week, my friend Victoria Taft is going to join us to talk about the open attack Antifa made against the trucker convoy by throwing bricks off of a freeway overpass. That is enforceable by the Department of Homeland Security. Of course, they're not going to do anything. Soda Weight Loss is a partner of ours, a relatively new partner. It's huge for us because it's a big company who reached out to us and said, we want to meet the Todd Herman Show audience. It's SodaWeightLoss.com. My wife is now on her sixth successful week with Soda Weight Loss at SodaWeightLoss.com. So yeah, Biden, of course, going back to this spit swapping event that is one of the, this has to be one of the, the least popular events 
in the entire nation. You have two of the least popular professions, so-called news reporting and politicians, being courted by some of the least watched entertainers in the country, like Noah, what's his name? Uh, I can't remember, Trevor Noah. And then a guy, a British guy, I honestly have no idea who he is. I'm not going to bother to look. I don't care. But it has to be one of the least popular events in the world, particularly as people have spent the last two years selectively locked down. Their kids, a record number of kids are cutting themselves and trying to commit suicide and, and being put on psychotropic drugs. And, and this doesn't make any, this just, that makes very few families happy. People have lost their businesses. People continue to lose their businesses. Gas prices are high. Inflation is, is catastrophically high. <laughs> and, and they party. And, and the, the shindig is even bigger during times like this. People are beginning to wake up to the fact that it's the party that we have to struggle with. It's the party that's the problem. It's the party. They're the ones who cannot stand the notion of free speech. And if we doubt that, just just pay attention to Kevin McCarthy's alignment with with CNN. Truly, they're, they're aligned. You need controls on this. You need regulation. You cannot let these guys control discourse in this country or we are headed to hell. We are there. Trump opened the gate to hell and now they're chasing us down. Just this week, we played the audio of McCarthy begging for censorship. It's the party. So Joe Biden, the figurehead, was speaking at this uh, spit swapping event, the White House Correspondents Dinner. And Joe Biden, someone wrote a funny for Joe Biden, wrote it out on a note card. And he spent weeks and weeks and weeks memorizing it. And his nurses and others helped him memorize it as he's getting whatever treatments they have this guy on. Because come on. (laughs) Yeah, he's on treatments. So here's the funny, funny thing that Joe Biden said in a nation suffering the highest, not the highest possible, thank God, but incredibly high inflation. This is it. This is the first time the president attended this dinner in six years. Uh, The joke's coming. It's understandable. We had a horrible plague followed by two years of COVID. (laughs) That's so funny. Because um, Donald Trump was the plague. No wars. Record low unemployment. On our way to energy independence. Other NATO countries paying more of their fair share. Border on the way to being secured. Deep state being shown for what the deep state is big pharma taking a hit Trump allowing us to license insulin from Canada. There's a whole lot of other ways to approach that. That would also make it cheaper. All the insulin stuff with pharma is a scam. It just keeps changing the delivery methods. It's not a changed resource. All of this was a plague. Well, fascinating. 
that Joe Biden's very, very dear friend, Mitch McConnell, said no to extra security on January 6th. Fascinating that Joe Biden's colleague and a very dear friend of Nancy Pelosi, Kevin McCarthy, said nothing to her about why did you say no to extra security on January 6th? None of them want Trump back. None of them want any form of constitutional populism back. Now, yeah, populism left to its own devices is is very dangerous. Populism constrained by the Constitution is, in fact, how the country was founded. Populism constrained by a governing philosophy that our founders spent a good portion of their lives studying and building, which created limits on government. We were cautioned against international intrigue and and pursuing interests other than our own. We were cautioned against any form of career politician. In fact, they, they couldn't conceive of career politicians, certainly not a career bureaucracy. D.C. was put where it was to be difficult to get to. It was not a state because it was never meant to be part of the mainstream. It was meant to be something people did and then returned to the real world. We live in two worlds. Well, we live in three. We live in a spiritual world. We live in the temporal world. We have to bring the spiritual into the temporal to win this this war ultimately. But in a temporal basis, we live in two worlds. Washington, D.C. takes. That's it. Their role is to take. They take at every turn. They're taking freedoms. They're taking monies. They're taking futures. They're taking thoughts away from people. It's a remarkable thing to behold. The Lord works in the most strange ways. It's almost like his sense of humor. Imagine my, my stunned amazement when in show prep, I come across, and this I got from Glenn Greenwald, I think the most important journalist of our time. I, I come across Noam Chomsky. And if you listen through the lines to what Noam is talking about here, he's talking about the party, but he wraps up with praise. Now, situational praise. He doesn't like Trump. He's not being red-pilled. He's being party alerted. He's seeing that the Democrats want war. Very much. And in my judgment, the, the Republicans want war. The Dem Republican Party wants war. And I know that this puts me at odds with some, some people in conservative media who are far, far more successful and, and better off than I am. And that's like Sean Hannity, Mark Levin. They are in favor of a hard response against Russia. I'm happy to have that discussion. I'm happy to have the discussion about how hard we should work to defend other countries' sovereignties right after the party comes to me and says, why now? Why here? Why not all the other instances? Why not China? 
And right after, the Republicans and the Dem Republicans care a whit about our national sovereignty. Right after, Mark Levin and Sean Hannity begin to ask questions about, can someone again tell me why we are looking at turning over our healthcare making authority to the corrupt World Health Organization? Because guys, that's in play. Dr. Peter Bregan talked to us about that weeks ago on this program. And now it's getting very close to fruition that we would not be allowed to do anything that the World Health Organization says we can't do. We, a sovereign country, I don't hear the Dem Republicans talking about this. And probably that's, and you know what? I do think that Mark calls him that, Levin. So I'm, I'm okay, so credit be to Levin. I call it the party. Yes, it's, why? Because it's Orwellian. Because we're in an Orwellian time. Here's the longer version of Chomsky. Noam Chomsky, a famous, I regard as infamous leftist, getting to the point of speaking about Donald John Trump. Well, there is fortunately one statesman in the United States and Europe who has laid out a person of a high political figure who has made a very sensible statement about how you can solve the crisis, namely by facilitating negotiations instead of undermining them and uh, moving towards establishing some kind of accommodation in Europe, maybe a long uh, in which there are no military alliances, but just mutual accommodation. Uh, he didn't say it, but it's something like uh, what George H.W. Bush, the first Bush, not the second, uh, proposed in the early 90s in his when after the collapse of the Soviet Union, proposed what they called a partnership for peace, which would be open for Europeans generally, Eurasians as well. It wouldn't eliminate NATO, but he would live up to the promise that NATO would not expand to the East, firm promise to Gorbachev, keep to that, allow NATO there, but kind of de-emphasize it. So other countries could join, including Russia for that matter, join the partnership for priests. Uh, Tajikistan joined, for example, not NATO, and moved towards a world, a Europe, Eurasia, with no military alliances. Actually, de Gaulle had similar vision. Uh, Emmanuel Macron, in his initiatives, trying to contact Putin, suggested something similar. So going back to the one Western statesman, he didn't mention all of this, but he suggested something similar. Move towards negotiations and diplomacy instead of escalating the war. Uh, try to see if you can bring about an accommodation, uh, which would be roughly along these lines. Uh, his name is Donald J. Trump. Now, I hear the word accommodation too. I hear Neville Chamberlain in that. I get that. I understand bending and swaying to evil and, and taking the knee to evil will get you more evil. I get that. To me, the fascination is this. The same party members who told us it was Trump who would walk us to the edge of nuclear war. 
the same party members who said this is a warmonger are the same party members now who continue to try to sideline Trump as an extremist. Kevin McCarthy, who is dear friends with Nancy Pelosi, stands by while people who committed no violent acts, no vandalism, are still held in confinement because of January 6th. Kevin McCarthy stands by while the left attempts to strike Republicans from the ballot. And in fact, it's not just the left. It's in Tennessee. It's the Republican Party struck Republicans from the ballot and they had to twist, if not break the law to do it. Kevin McCarthy has nothing to say. His dear friend and partner in non-governance, Mitch McConnell, has nothing to say. Tennessee is not far from Kentucky. I would think that the important, august, rock-ribbed, conservative, Christian, hardcore, constitutionalist senator, Mitchell McConnell, would have something to say about this, but he doesn't. In the party's world, the left plays the wrecking ball. The left will say the things that should not be said. They will expand the Overton window. They will be obviously aggressive against our interests. They will speak obviously about defunding the police. They will go out and pretend men are women. They will encase that in law. You can't, can't wait till you to hear next hour what they're doing in Maine. Maine, a, a, a state in the United States. This is actually being circulated by the government of Maine is actually circulating statements like this. People in this country who are LGBT plus, we're not free. That's, that's the government in Maine is telling students that people who are same-sex attracted or people who are either gender dysphoric or gender rebellious, they don't have freedom. This at the same time, as we are forced to adopt their psychoses and to pay for surgery to encase their psychoses in them for the rest of their lives, the thing about the party that is consistent, I was thinking about this during my walk this morning. First walk, by the way, I got to make without my arm brace. It's Seinfeld. Do you remember the moment in Seinfeld where George Costanza had an epiphany? Do you remember that moment? I'm sure people are going to remember this if you watch the Seinfeld program. Every decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. <laughs> my life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. Every instinct I have in every aspect of life, be it something to wear, something to eat, it's all been wrong. <laughs> Tuna on toast, coleslaw, cup of coffee. Yeah. So how does that relate? And yes, I'll do the rest of the clip. How does that relate to life under the party? Well, it's one way, an example of how absurdly obvious it is that they hate us and our interests. The other is it's a simple way to know what to do. Just got an email this morning uh, from John Caldwell, who runs and, and founded Allen's Artisan Soaps. You should know this about Allen's Soaps at allensoaps.com. John is one of us. Uh, John is a conservative man. Um, he is an entrepreneur. Many of us uh, in the podcast audience are entrepreneurs, have entrepreneurial backgrounds. And also know this, it wasn't ever this thing where John burned with desire to create a soap company. In fact, he comes from a digital marketing background. 
And how I met John is part of the story of Allen's Artisan Soaps and the Herminator Sub. That's not a sandwich. It's a subscription service for Allen's Artisan Soaps. These are the small batch soaps all made in America. John is advised in Allen's Artisan Soaps. It's allensoaps.com. Allen is John's son, one of John's sons. Um, They're 100% natural. They're advised by and, in fact, work with a company that has three generations of American families who make soap for a living. In fact, they brought it over from the old world, their their method of making soaps, all natural ingredients, really unique scents. Cedarwood, jasmine, watermelon, basil, lavender, rosemary, vanilla lime. And all of these are hand-stamped, all of them reviewed by, for quality by Allen the chief soap officer and John. And the reason that I say that this Herminator sub, this 10% savings you get only here on the subscription service, that it's this God thing. I met John at the Republican national committee. He reached out to me out of the goodness of his heart as an email art marketing expert to say, you're doing really fantastic work. I can take you to a much higher level of work. If you'll let me simply volunteer my time, he did that. The big change and why Allen's Artisan Soaps exists is because John will not let his sons be used by the party. Two of his three sons are deeply impacted by autism. They work at Allen's Artisan Soaps, specifically the namesake Allen. That's why it's called Allen's Artisan Soaps. It is a template company. When you purchase the Herminator sub, yes, you get 10% off. Yeah, you get your choice of six bars of soap, a soap rack, a soap pouch, and a fluff, all at a 10% savings, but you're also proving a point to the party. That is that all human beings have value. All life matters. All life can experience the dignity of work. It's allensoaps.com slash Todd. That's allensoaps.com slash Todd. That's how you get the, uh, the Herminator sub. So how is it that this piece relates to life under the party? This way. Uh, George, you know that woman just looked at you. So what? What am I supposed to do? Go talk to her. Elaine, bald men with no jobs and no money who live with their parents (laughs) don't approach strange women. Well, here's your chance to try the opposite. Instead of tuna salad and being intimidated by women, chicken salad and going right up to them. Yeah, I should do the opposite. I should. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. Yes, I will do the opposite. I used to sit here and do nothing and regret it for the rest of the day. So now I will do the opposite and I will do something. It's walking over to the woman, by the way. Excuse me, uh, I couldn't help but notice that you were looking in my direction. Oh, yes, I was. You just ordered the same exact lunch as me. My name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. It's pretty simple. I'm Victoria, hi. <laughs> it's pretty simple. It's this. Anything they say, the opposite is the case. Anything. The party told us to lock down and stay inside and avoid sunlight. That was the opposite thing we should have done. People who didn't do that, who went out and got vitamin D and exercise did better. The party told people to mask. The people who didn't mask did better. 
The party told countries to lock down. The countries that did not lock down did better. The party is telling us right now that it was Donald Trump who's the danger, who's going to get us into a nuclear war. That turned out to be the opposite. You can go across the board, anything that is related to the party. Here's another example. This is Samantha Powers. And of course, a a so-called official with what we're colloquial called the Biden administration, they're telling us he's in charge. He's not in charge. Anything the party says, do the opposite. Kevin McCarthy wants limits on speech. Speak more. We'll talk about that. I firmly believe that we need to find ways to actually us, the right, the Christian right, bring politics into discussion, not in the way Obama prescribed, not in calling out your uncle or aunt at a breakfast table or a, or a Thanksgiving dinner, not in that way, not in the obnoxious way of the left, God forbid, but in a gentle and curious way of a curious observer. Listen here to Samantha Powers. While the rest of the world, while we have farmers on saying, yeah, next year is going to be really dangerous, what with the fertilizer shortages that have been coming forever. By the way, there was another fire at another food processor yesterday. Yeah, another one. Another. This was a big company's food processing plant. So while the rest of the world is very keenly saying, no, it's not a good thing that we're going to have all of these shortages coming at the same time. Shortages in tractor parts, as my friend, the, the farmer, Jason, told us. Shortages, yes, in fertilizer, etc. Listen to Samantha Powers, who is a member of the party. Fertilizer shortages are real now because Russia is a big exporter of fertilizer. And even though fertilizer is not sanctioned, uh, less fertilizer is coming out of Russia. As a result, we're working with countries to think about natural solutions like manure and compost. And this may hasten transitions that would have been in the interest of farmers to make eventually anyway. So never let a crisis go to waste. But we really do need this financial support uh, from the Congress to be able to meet emergency food needs so we don't see the cascading uh, deadly effects of Russia's war extend into Africa and beyond. And pardon me, that was Samantha Powell. So The opposite is true. This might be good for farmers. Michael Bloomberg, it's easy to be a farmer. No, it's hard. Joe Biden, the state of our union is strong. No, it's falling apart. This is an instant, it's an instant way to know. And it's an instant way to open the conversation with people. We have got to normalize people from a Christian conservative perspective speaking about politics because we, there was, an, I remember Rush did this. God rest him. He, he, he was so fascinated with a poll that indicated that the American people had stopped using their right to free speech. Specifically, those of us on the right side of the political spectrum had stopped using our speech rights because of what the left has done to us. So with little examples like Chomsky, where we can point to this and ask our friends, why do you think Noam Chomsky thinks President Trump has the best solution to this? Or in this way, why do you think a woman who's not in farming, Samantha Powell, thinks being short on fertilizer is a good thing where American farmers are saying, no, it's a very bad thing. It's a, it's a very, very bad thing for us. Why do you think there's this disconnect? 
Hey, I'm curious. And you could say it this way with friends. Hey, listen, I know we disagree about, about Biden and the white house and such, but I just want to ask you a question. Really? I just, how should I feel watching Joe Biden laugh at inflation and gas prices going up? Honestly, I'm asking you, what should my emotions be when I watch him lean his head back and laugh and giggle at that? It's not the pushing of policy. It's not the pushing of our positions. It's a gentle, curious observer role of dealing with these people. Curious observer role is this. A non-curious observer, an active observer, or a participant in a conflict, like if your kid is having a big problem, your kid is melting down, having trouble getting homework done, under pressure at school, um, boyfriend issues and all this, you as a parent in an active, you would be in a participatory role saying, hey, listen, let me help you with the homework. Let's talk about your boyfriend, et cetera. Hey, maybe this is why I told you not to have a boyfriend at your age. And you're starting to get into the mix where a curious observer role is more like a neighbor. Or like a, a, a curious aunt. Oh, I didn't know he had a boyfriend. What's his name? Oh, that sounds hard. What's your plan for dealing with that? Do you think this is the right time to have a boyfriend? Do you think that it's helpful for you to be in that particular class? It sounds like you're doing a lot of extra credit. Would it be better to take a little bit of a rest? It's the curious observer role. And we can do this with friends and families around current news topics like this thing coming up with the, the, the boss man of the DHS. This is so, so instructive. And it's finally a Republican finally asking a question like we can ask. They want speech shut down. McCarthy and his dear friend Nancy Pelosi want speech shut down. Let's instead shut them down by exposing their ideas through simple, polite questions. It was really successful last week. Uh, our friend Zach Abraham gave a free webinar about how Bulwark Capital Management works. And it was very successful. I want to thank for I'll thank all the people who attended, but many people didn't get to attend, but they've heard about Bulwark Capital Management and their work. So let me tell you why I selected Zach as the financial advisor for this program. Number one, I know him on a personal basis. Now, fact is, I have some very, very dear friends who are financial advisors and they're super successful and I love them dearly. And I simply do not view the world the way they do. I do not buy the world as a buy and hold place anymore because the games being played by the financial masters don't lend themselves well to buy and hold. We're told to buy and hold while they trade on a minute by minute basis. I have no, I've done the minute by minute trading. I've done it on my own. It's exhausting. That's nothing I ever want to do again. Now, Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management has a team and a focus. The focus is stewardship. It is radically focused on risk management strategies. And it also recognizes that we live in an inflationary environment. Bulwark Capital Management and Zach are very, very open about the people in the finance world who are playing games, illegal games with our money. And he's also super open about that is the world in which we live. He views the old 60-40 stock bond mix thing as outdated and he'll tell you why. My advice, if you don't have a financial advisor and you have some monies, then give Bulwark Capital Management a call. They're at 866-779-RISK. 
That's 866-779-RISK. If you have a financial manager who's sticking, just buy and hold, buy and hold, go call Bulwark and experience the difference. 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC, an SEC registered investment advisor. Man, I got sloppy playing the little wrap-up music there, didn't I? I can't wait to get my ASCAP license. Can I rant for a second? How long can it take to give me a license to play real music on my podcast? I'm offering to give you my money. Anyway, are there any ASCAP people listening to this? Could you just maybe just push this through as a favor to someone if you dig the podcast? I'd love to be able to have actual bumper music on the show. Did I just say something about an emotional meltdown? I feel like I'm having one. Hold on. Let me center myself. Good. I'm fine now. I'm fine. It's not like this clip's going to upset me. To the topic of the party. Over the weekend in the separate country of Seattle, a woman I know and have met and, and considered to be a casual friend. I just, I just don't know her well enough. I'm sure we'd be friends. Named Katie Davis Court. She's with Turning Points USA. She's a very brave young woman. She goes out in the midst of these Antifa rallies and, 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 and riots. And she was assaulted again yesterday. Again, a, a skinny-armed, pencil-neck geek, Antifa, wearing his body armor that someone bought for him and his black helmet someone bought for him and taking a day off from working at the, uh, at the basement of the Nordstrom's where he uh, assigned shoes to bins. Went to go attack my friend Katie Davis Court for filming what was going on. This is an everyday occurrence in that city. Anytime the right wants to say something also over the weekend, a mayoral candidate and another conservative candidate in Portland were assaulted. People were injured by IEDs, also thrown by Antifa. Also over this weekend, the truckers convoy that is headed now to my area of the country, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. I may go speak at this event if I can clear my schedule. They've been kind enough to ask me to speak. They were attacked by people throwing bricks off of freeway overpasses. Where's the party? Where's, where are our august Republicans? Where's, where's the Republicans from Southwestern Washington? But that's just across the border. Where's the hand wringing? A Republican actually asked the boss man of the DHS questions about this. This is Greg Slebu. Does this want him? A Stebu from Florida actually stepped to ask a question of the boss man of the DHS, the same guy who says he's safeguarding speech, creating a ministry of truth position. Senate committee hearing, you stated that white supremacy was, and I quote, the greatest threat. I'm over here. Oh, thank the you. Greatest threat to the homeland. Uh, earlier this month, you doubled down and again claimed that, and I quote, domestic violent extremism uh, was the biggest threat. When you say that term, do you include in that term Black Lives Matter and Antifa? Uh, Congressman, let me be precise because you're you're not quoting me accurately and precision is. I watched the video. I am domestic violent extremism is the greatest terrorism-related threat. Okay, so the greatest terrorism threat, do you include Black Lives Matter and Antifa in that definition? Uh, uh, Congressman, I do not consider Black Lives Matter. So the uh, riots that we a, saw over the summer I, of 2020, 
and the killing of David Dorn by an Antifa member, that wasn't domestic terror? Uh, 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 Congressman, it is not in my province to, um, to address a particular case Okay, uh, well, what about the, but the let me, riots at the Department me, of the Interior right here in Washington, D.C. by a leftist environmental group? Would you term that domestic terrorism? Uh, uh, Congressman, I uh, leave it to the Department of Justice uh, to uh, define domestic terrorism with respect to particular incidents. Well, you're the Department are, of Homeland Security, and you're saying that this is the number one threat to the homeland. So I'm trying to get an understanding of, obviously now, based on your testimony, you don't include leftist radicalized groups, only white nationalists and right radicalized groups. Uh, meanwhile, Customs and Border Protection have had over 2.4 million interactions with illegal immigrants at the border since the Biden administration took office, with an estimated 600,000 more illegal immigrants making their way into our country undetected. So using your definition that we just flushed out here, how many cases involving white supremacists and domestic terrorists have you referred to DOJ for prosecution? Uh, Congressman, let me... Um uh, it's let me, a simple. Let me, do you not have the number? It's a no, simple but, but number. You've made, you've made some profoundly inaccurate statements no. that I would like the opportunity to correct. I, I'm specifically is, asking you a question. You, you've, you, just, you just clarified. Domestic terrorism is a threat to the homeland, number one threat. And I'm asking you, how many referrals from Homeland Security have you made to DOJ for white supremacy or domestic terrorism? Congressman, I will provide uh, you with that information. So you don't know. Subsequent to this hearing, I do not have. Do you, that can statistic. you name one case? That statistic. Can you name uh, one case of a referral from DHS to DOJ for domestic terrorism? Congressman, um, I will provide the data to you. Um, and let I'm me asking just, you, you can't name one me, case. And let me just say. Okay, so you can't name one case yet. According to a new report from the U.S. Department of Justice, almost half of all the criminals prosecuted in federal courts in 2018 were aliens charged with crimes ranging from drug trafficking to murder and to kidnapping. And the vast majority, 38,000, were illegal immigrants, illegal aliens. But it's still domestic terrorism is the number one cause of, uh, of your concerns. Questions for our friends, for our neighbors. Are you concerned about this violence that we see in Portland? Are you concerned about bricks being thrown over overpasses? Are you concerned about the summer riots? Are you concerned about the call to kill cops? Are you concerned at all that no one seems willing to take this on? If you're concerned and you have these feelings, why do you think that the party is not going after this. Why do you think that the guy who runs the Department of Homeland Security is far more interested in this? That we're safeguarding the right of free speech, that we're safeguarding civil liberties. Than that. The call to ask questions of our friends and family is a call to do something that the Lord has asked us to do. And it's so different from anything else the Lord has asked us to do. And it's subtle. It's by examination and it's by example. And it's through some of the words that the apostle Paul spoke that call on us, not, not to do the primary things, the salvation things, love thy neighbor, love God with all thy heart and all thy soul, 
Love thy neighbor as thyself. Accept Christ as our personal Savior, our Savior. Become disciple, disciple others. Right, there's, and there's other things related to salvation, but it's something very, very subtle. Uh, it is a great comfort to me to walk by. I used to have this feeling, and I still do to some degree. Like I'm in an entrepreneurial phase right now. The podcast, we're still in a startup mode. I still look at the financial runway and, and God has blessed us so much. And you've blessed us by listening and downloading and sharing with friends. The Lord has been magnificently uh, blessing us in terms of being able to pay for the podcast. And I've shared with you before, it's not unconsiderable. And being able to write checks for our mortgage and take care of our family. And, and, and my wife wanted me to thank you for that as well. And we are very, very thankful. I used to get this great comfort in times of being an entrepreneur to see, hey, you know what? We paid the mortgage this month and, and we paid our life insurance and we paid for our medical insurance and there's my daughter safe in a bed. I still get that thrill, but I also get this thrill and I want to ask you to remember what you are doing. When you buy Bonefrog coffee from bonefrog.us, you are aiding a 25-year Navy veteran and Navy SEAL in building a company that will pay his bills. And I'll tell you something right now, Tim works two jobs and none of this is a sympathy pitch. Don't you dare even think of purchasing bone frog coffee out of sympathy for this show. Don't ever do that. I'm fine. Tim's going to be fine. The part I want to get across to you is we are partners in this. All of us. If you dig the show, try the coffee. If you dig the coffee, make it your coffee. That benefits the program, it benefits Tim, but it does something else. It creates a, an economy, an economy around this show and other shows like it, then a Christian economy, because Tim is a vibrant and very serious, born again, saved Christian man who needs Christ Jesus. It's on the bags, God, country, team. And I also get great comfort knowing that my wife has oversubscribed us. Uh, no, she has, to the Bone Frog Coffee. We get 5% discount for life through bonefrog.us. That's only available to the Todd Herman Show audience. My wife has oversubscribed us. <laughs> what this means is I can engage and indulge my coffee obsession like you wouldn't believe. In fact, you know what? I'm bringing some Bonefrog to the event. May 20th. Get your tickets at the ToddHermanShow.com. Get your coffee subscription filled at bonefrog.us. It's bonefrog.us. The... Lord gave us reason. He lends us minds with which we can reason. He lends us minds with which we can use a Socratic form of inquiry with our friends. He gives us the opportunity to ask questions. The Apostle Paul spoke often saying, come, let us reason together. He would go out and speak and it was his determined goal initially to go back to the world from hence he came. He was the Pharisee of the Pharisees, trained up, lawyered up as schooled as anybody in the law, the Mosaic law. So he could go toe to toe with anybody. It turned out that the Lord had a different mission in mind for him, that he would be the missionary to the Gentiles, but he'd never changed his approach. Logic, love. Yes. The word of God tightly held to that. He himself submitted himself to the, uh, to the apostles, to, to Peter and others, to be taught how to be discipled, to be taught how to walk with Christ for three years. About the same amount of time they were discipled by Christ Jesus. But it never left him, this idea, this, this discipline of asking questions, of reasoning together. The Lord himself reasoned with people. 
it's a beautiful thing to go through and read the portions of the Bible where Jesus is confronted and people attempt to hold him to account or to fool him. He always engaged. We err in not engaging. We err in not being political in the following ways with the following goal in mind. The things we've discussed today have a thread. The thread is this. The effort to divide us and to deceive us is global. It's not just in America. It's global. This is from Ottawa, Canada. In a second, I'll play this clip. It's from Ottawa, Canada. It is in an era where we're told the government is concerned about misinformation and disinformation. It is a group that put that out. Listen till you get their excuse in a second. It is incumbent upon us to use that which the Lord has gifted us, with which the Lord has gifted us, the ability to ask questions and listen to answers. Uncovering the way people think and uncovering the holes in their process and their thought process and their logic, uncovering the holes in the party's logic, uncovering what is a blatant fact. D.C. does not care about us. They do not care about our families. They do not care about our lives. They do not care about the rule of the law because they cannot. They simply cannot. A key question in all of this for people is, do you think Samantha Powell can see how this is ruining farmers? Do you think the DHS can see how frightening it is to live in a city like Portland where masked black clad people can injure you with IEDs and face no prosecution? Do you think Joe Biden laughing at a joke about gas prices and inflation, Joe Biden, who got $53 million his family got from the Chinese Communist Party, do you think he can see the actual conditions the party's causing? Do you think that when Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy pretend to be enemies, that's honest? Do you think there's a reason that behind closed doors, what we're told to think of as opposition parties are dear, dear friends? Do you think that's deceptive? Do you think that serves a purpose? Do you think it's a big deception? And then our opportunity. As people of faith, we were told days like this would come. My faith indicated there would be a time such as this. What does your faith tell you? And people with no faith can have no answer. Their gut, their feelings, their newspapers, but what does their faith tell them? And lastly, this is global. Why do you think with the same speed that the safe and effective vaccine lies spread and the Everybody stay home and stay inside lies spread. Why do you think there's such an explosion of people who merchandise and push lies turning around and pretending to be the people who stop lies? This is from Ottawa, a hearing there in their government. During the convoy protests, uh, your executive director, I believe that's his position, Bernie Faber, 
uh, posted a tweet uh, with a photo of a vile anti-Semitic flyer and claimed that uh, this flyer was, uh, that this was a picture of the flyer being circulated in Ottawa among the trucker protesters. But upon further examination, it was proven that this exact same photo was taken in Miami, Florida, uh, weeks before the protests ever began. Uh, can you explain why the executive director of your organization was claiming that an anti-Semitic, uh, like that this photo was being circulated at the uh, protests when in fact it was a photo that was from a completely different country weeks before the protests? Yes, thank you very much for giving me a, a, a way to address this. Um, so first off, that was our chair. I'm the executive director uh, and I was privy to the email chain that led to him tweeting that out. Um, so what had occurred was he was somebody had reached out who was in Ottawa who said that they saw that flyer there and they provided the photo uh, at that moment. You know, Bernie was not aware that the photo itself was taken um, from an American source. What the person was trying to communicate to our organization was that they saw the same flyer, but they had attached the photo from the States. Yeah. But they didn't take a picture of the flyer they saw. And there are no pictures of the flyer they saw. So the last question I think for our friends and family is, hey, since we're all concerned about violence, none of us want it. Since we're all concerned that political discourse be protected, since we're all concerned why aren't we all together in this? For our friends and family who've been seduced by CNN's panic mongering about free speech. Hey, just a question. You've known me for some time. What exactly should I not be allowed to say? What words would you like to see stricken from me? Personalize it, communicate it in the sense that the Lord trade reasons debate this is the todd herman show we so appreciate you sharing the show please go be well be strong be kind and yes let's give thanks to god almighty for lending us minds capable of discernment and precision questions